Before I dive in, anybody here in the room remember, maybe you're old enough to remember uh, the show Fear Factor. Anybody? Fear Factor? Come on. Early 2000s, uh, NBC, it was on NBC, and then uh, in, the, in 2017, MTV picked it up, and they had Ludacris. Come on, somebody. A little Luda, a little ATL. Um, both services, I want to start rapping in Ludacris' uh, one of his songs, but I don't know if it's appropriate, so I didn't. Um, but uh, the show, basically the premise of the show was they would, would face... Um, these elements that would, that was like their fears. So they would, uh, everything from, they would be in a, um, put in a casket full of worms. They would have to eat spiders. Um, they would have to escape out of a car that was sinking in the bottom of a lake. So there was this like, they were basically facing their fears. There'd be fears of spiders, fears of drowning, fears of death. And then they always had this like lever they could pull if it got too much. Like, like the spider in their mouth, it was just too much for them to handle. They pull the lever, and then it would, like, release them from their fears. But the reward would be if they, if they ended up making it all the way to the end, the team would end up winning a reward. And it was actually a wildly successful show, and I think in part because, uh, you know, it's something about seeing other people face their fears because we all also have our own fears, don't we? Uh, and there are some fear that's actually adaptive and helpful, right? It's fear that kicks in when someone's car swerves into your lane on the beltway and you have to swerve out of the way. It's fear, come on mamas, we'll honor you again. When, when your child is falling, it's that fear that kicks in, the adrenaline rush that turns you into Wonder Woman, come on, to dive and catch your child from his head from hitting the ground, right? Like so fear is helpful, So fear can be helpful, but listen, chronic fear or irrational fear can be destructive. In fact, the research shows Behavior Journal of Therapy in 2020 found that 91.4% of our fears will never come to pass. So nine out of the ten things you fear are never going to happen. And if it's left unchecked, in 2021, the University of Minnesota did a study where they found that like long-term fear weakens your immune system, causes cardiovascular damage, does damage to your hippocampus. It it leads to clinical depression, fatigue, and symptoms of PTSD. In fact, Barry Glasner, a a sociologist, wrote a book in 2015 called The Culture of Fear. And he wrote this book because he found it intriguing that even though we live in the safest time in known history, which if you compare historically, it is the safest time that we've ever had as a world. He says our fear levels are still at a high level. And here's what he, he coined. He says we have a culture of fear. And, and, I, and I think as we look to the research, and again, fear is inevitable. Fear we all face, whether it be fear of spiders <laughs> or fear of sickness or fear of death or, or fear of failure, maybe at work, or maybe fear of your child failing at school. Or maybe fear of rejection in a relationship, maybe fear of a relationship ending, is that I believe, and as I look to scripture and look at the research, the reason I believe we have a culture of fear, this is important, write this down. Because fear is not just an emotion, fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy 1 7, Paul said to young Timothy, For God has not given you a spirit of fear. Maybe it wasn't on the screen yet. We'll do it one more time. Ready? Okay. We'll say it together. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. If you feel fear, it is not from God. Period. Period. And ask, ask yourself this. When's the last time you made a good decision based upon fear? Probably never. When's the last time you made a bad decision based on fear? Probably can't recall some. He says spirit of fear or timidity. Here's what that word fear actually means. Cowardice. That you cower. And can I tell you, fear will cause you to go backwards where God is calling you to move forward in faith. And he says, I'm, he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of self-discipline. Listen, I believe the reason, even though we are safer than ever before, but fear still plagues people because there is a spirit behind it. We have an enemy of our soul. And I believe the enemy wants to use a spirit of fear to thwart the purposes of God in your life. Because fear will cause you to not take that step of faith. Fear will cause you to not be obedient to that word. Fear will cause you to not ask that woman to marry you, even though you know you should. Fear will cause you to not launch that business, even though you know it's God's will. Fear will not cause you to apply for that school or apply for that job. The enemy is trying to freeze us in fear. If the enemy cannot destroy you, he'll stop you. The way he stops you is fear. And sometimes we can even mistake fear as wisdom. It's wisdom. Can I tell you what a life of following Jesus looks like? R-I-S-K. It's risk. It's risk. In a culture where we, may may I submit this to you? I think an idol in our Western culture is certainty. But when you have certainty, it requires no faith. I'll step out when I know. You may never know. I'll step out when I'm sure that I'm sure. You, you, if you live a life where you only step on that which is certain, you may miss God's full calling for your life all the way from now to the grave. Because faith requires risk. Faith requires trust. Faith requires not knowing. Can I tell you, there is, there is rarely anything in life you will have 100% certainty. Can I tell you, I can tell you many decisions I've made in my life where I had about 53% certainty. Come on, somebody. And I think actually God is honored by faith when you don't have full certainty, but you step out in obedience and you apply to that med school, you apply to that job, you marry that girl. Here's why, here's why, here's why. Because the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. So if you're living a life of certainty, you're not living a life that's pleasing God. But when you're living your life, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) But I think it's God. I I don't know if if this business is God, but I really do believe it's God. I've I've prayed through it. I've talked to wise counsel. I've searched the scriptures. My hope today is to break off the chains of fear. Not me, but God. (laughs) Through his word and by his spirit. So you can walk in the purpose that God has for you. We just sang a song, fear, bow, here, now. Jesus, you can do anything. We believe it here at Catalyst Church. I love what Florence, Florence Nightingale said. She says, how very little can be done in the spirit of fear. I want to read Psalms 29, sorry, 27 today. And it's a relevant passage around fear because David, the the psalmist David, the shepherd David, the king David, not yet king, in Psalm 27, 
He writes this psalm while being chased by King Saul and his army. Uh, So, uh, obviously, something to be fearful about. But he pens Psalm 27, and it really gives us an indication of how do we fight fear. In fact, here's kind of my sermon in a sentence, is how we fight fear is with faith. We fight fear with faith. Let me also say this. I think sometimes I've even heard it um, kind of taught on that people say fear and faith cannot coexist. And I actually believe they can coexist. I just think you have to, as a follower of Christ, to fulfill God's purpose, you just have to let faith win. Sometimes you have to do it afraid. Like, like a lot of things in life, come on, it's like it's Mother's Day. Like having your first child, come on, parents. If you ain't afraid, that means you're just crazy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I was scared to death. I didn't even go through labor. <laughs> That's why we honor moms on Mother's Day, okay? Uh, after having three kids, when my wife gave birth to three kids, I was like, we need to honor moms up in this place. But, but if, you, if you apply for a promotion or apply for a job or launch a business or apply for that school or ask someone to marry you, it's going to require you to have some, some faith and you're going to have to fight fear. So let's read Psalm 27, verse 1. David says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze at the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Let's go to verse 11. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me into your straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn from me, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. I want to share with you three, three thoughts, really three tools to fight fear with faith from David's psalm here in Psalm 27. And here's the first one. We've taken notes. And uh, that is we need to worship by faith and not by feelings. He says, he, says, he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That word stronghold means a safe refuge, a safe place that that David allowed his fear to cause him to run to his heavenly father. And may I say in the same way a child, when they're oftentimes afraid, they'll run to the arms of a father or a mother. Here's what David is saying, that listen, when I am afraid, when I am overwhelmed, the safest place to be is the presence of God. The fear is a signal that I need help from my father. Fear is a signal that I need his strength, that I need his spirit. Psalm 34, I love Psalm 34. In fact, I almost had Psalm 34 be the main passage of today's message because David writes Psalm 34 about fear, but he writes it in reflection after being held in captivity. He says in verse 1 of Psalm 34, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. 
I sought the Lord. He answered me. And he delivered me from most of my fears. What did it say? All of my fears. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Fear of sickness. Fear of death. And can I tell you in the New Testament when Jesus Christ hung on that cross and he rose again three days later, he defeated death, hell, grave, and fear. That's why he said in John 14, 27 to his disciples, hey, in this world, you will have troubles. You will have hardship. And many of the men he spoke to died for their faith. But he said, take heart. He said, for I've given you a peace, not a peace that the world gives. It's a different type of peace. I love, though, that, that David, and all throughout the scripture, it points to this power of praising God, of, 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 of singing unto God, of making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because, obviously, God who created us knows the power that music has over us. Music has a power over us. Would you agree? Like, their stores invest a lot of money to study what music will make you buy more of their product. You know what I found in my research of this? It's up-tempo music. I don't know what it is. When you just feel like, oh, that beat, you're just like, I need to buy something. Or I need to buy or like dance, you know. I'm just going to buy. Like they study, like what kind of music can we get? The Journal of Biology in 2018, they found that actually music, when they play music, they looked at these scans, it lights up your limbic system. And your limbic system is where it generates and creates emotions. Harvard University found that when you hear a moving piece of music and you feel chills, it's because dopamine's flooding your body. That's why you feel chills. It, it, It neurobiologically changes you. And we know this, right, from firsthand experience. You hear certain music and you feel different emotions, don't you? In fact, there's a little, little bit of like live research or uh, study today. We're going to play a little bit of music and see how it affects you uh, and hearing those. In fact, I think we have the first clip. Uh, team, we can go ahead and play that. Feeling it, aren't you? Get out of the water! <laughs> All right, you can turn it off. Come on, if you hear that, you don't think to yourself, let's party. You're like, run for your life. I don't know what's about to happen. That's why in like a horror movie, you never hear joyful music. Like, you don't even have to see the image on the screen. You just hear the music, you're like, oh, no. But then, like, so there's an emotion that you feel in that kind of music. Let's play our second clip, team. know what the Carlton is, your parents um, gave you a disadvantage. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, still arguably one of the best sitcoms ever. It affects you, doesn't it? Sometimes if we're not careful, we can even think to ourselves, even in church. And here's my challenge for you, lovingly, as your pastor, is to 
aim to get to church early. Here's why. Because some of you rarely arrive on time. (laughs) I love you. So if you aim early, you get here on time. Come on, somebody. If that's your friend or your spouse, just nudge them lovingly. That's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. And here's why. Can I tell you, our worship team doesn't need you here because they're not worshiping you, they're worshiping him. So they're going to worship in an empty room. But can I say this? Your spirit and your mind and emotions need it. And maybe you think to me, Jeremy, you know what? I'm just not that into music. I'm not that into the music part of church. And I would say this. I saw you at that Taylor Swift concert. I saw you at Beyonce, okay? And if you can move your body and lose your voice to Beyonce, you can move your body and lose your voice to King Jesus. I'm just not in the music, Pastor. Oh! Losing your mind. Can I just say it how I feel it right now? We will lose our mind to an athlete who does not know us, to an artist who views us as a paycheck, but we will not even lift our voice and our hands to a God who saved us. Listen, go do Beyonce. Do your Taylor Swift. But don't come into church and be like, okay, I love you. But I'm telling you, listen. What, what singing, what, what singing your, your, with, with your lungs and lifting of your hands to Jesus will do far more for your spirit and your mind and your emotions than anything else. The research shows it. The word of God shows it. So the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. So I'll be silent and cross my hands. I will rejoice. Because I think God knows there are some mornings you will get up and you don't want to rejoice. But you know what you do anyway? You rejoice. Because worship isn't based upon how I feel. We can get it twisted and come into church and we can see a person next to us lifting their hands, dancing, shouting and say, look, their life must be so easy. But they might actually be walking through a version of hell on earth. But they understand that worship is not based upon how they feel that day, their emotions, what the weather looks like, the report they got from the doctor, or what happened in their meeting with their boss this week. No, their worship is based upon who he is. He never changes. I'm telling you, it's going to help you. It's how we fight fear, with worship. David says, seek his face, your Lord. I will seek. It's just everyday seeking. Every day. You know, I was, uh, a few years ago, I went to the doctor for uh, my allergies. My eyes were like watering like a lot. I felt like I was just weeping every day. Because of pollen, i.e. the devil's dust. (laughs) And uh, I just wanted the doctor to give me a shot. Anybody else, you go to the doctor, you're just like, just give it to me easy, right? Like, don't put me on any plan. Don't say, let's try this. So hook a brother up, okay? So I'm like, I'm like unrolling my shirt already. All right, come on, Doc. Let's not play any games. Now. I ain't trying to come back here. Your copay is a little bit high, okay? <laughs> but she's like, she was looking at her reports, you know, from last time I came. And she said, yeah, last year, you know, I recommended you take um, daily Zyrtec D 
in Flonase. She said, are you taking those daily? I said, well, yeah, right when the, 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 the water starts coming out of my eyes, I start taking it. She said, no, that's not how it works. She said, you need to take it all year. She said, so the antihistamines in your body. So when the pollen comes, your body doesn't rever- respond adversely to it. Can I tell you, worship in the presence of God is not just something you run to to relieve the pressure. It's something you turn to every day. God's not a shot you take when you need him. It's saying, God, listen, whether or not you realize it, you are actually far more dependent upon God than you know. You think you're breathing out of those lungs all by yourself? Don't get it twisted. we, We rely upon God for everything. So I'm telling you, it's best, for your, it's best for your spirit and soul to worship him every day. I mean, thinking, Jeremy, what does that mean? Do I come to church every day? Well, no, here, here's the beautiful thing. Listen, there is an important aspect to the gathering together of the saints, of the, of the church to worship. There's something special that happens in these moments. But you can actually pull your worship from Sunday into Monday. You can worship tomorrow morning while you're making your kids breakfast. You can, worship your, you can worship tomorrow morning while you're getting ready for work. You can worship tomorrow morning on your commute into class. You can worship tomorrow while you're working out. You can worship while you're folding laundry. Come on, how many of y'all know you need the Spirit of God when you're folding laundry? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you can worship while you do dishes. You can worship wherever you are because God is with you. I, I want to encourage you, take, take not just worship on Sunday, but but pull your worship into every day of the, the week. David then says in verse 3, that Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. That David, through his time in the presence of God, his confidence was built. I was reminded uh, five years ago, we were in the process of um, planning to, to start Catalyst Church. And it was August of 2018. We were about to have our first ever public event. And um, I was in the season of, of raising money for the church and uh, building a, a team to help launch the church. Some of you in this room were a part of that team. And thank you for believing in it before this was even anything. And uh, I was, it was a Thursday. And why I know it was a Thursday, because I went that evening to a Baltimore Ravens preseason football game. Thank you, Jesus Lamar Jackson, signed with us. Now we'll move on. Um, so that late afternoon, I got a phone call. And one of my sources of funding, not just for the church, but, but also to help, because uh, at the time I wasn't working a job. I was just helping to get the church off the ground. One of the sources of funding that I was relying upon fell through. And I would love to say I'm a man of faith, and I just said, you know what, God, I know you have us. But I was gripped with fear. I didn't have a job. I didn't have promise of benefits. I had two kids and one on the way. Like we stepped out on a word from God. And I was like, like I, I started like wondering, like, did I, did I hear from you, God? And, and I was gripped with fear for about 20 minutes. Like I just fear just ate my lunch. I had about an hour ride to Baltimore. It probably was more like two hours because of 295. Come on. <laughs> and... On that ride, I just, I put on some worship music, and I began to worship. You know what worship does? Worship right-sizes your perspective of God. Because when you begin to worship him, 
You begin to sing songs about how great he is. You begin to sing songs about his authority, his power, his love, his grace. When you sing about how he's conquered death, hell, and the grave, all of a sudden what you're feeling fear over all of a sudden feels very, 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 very small in comparison to who he is. That's the power of worship. The fear was still there. I, th- I believe fear and faith can coexist. The fear still remained, but it no longer was in the foreground. It was in the background. Now faith was in the foreground. I want to encourage you, worship, not based upon how you feel, but based upon your faith. Here's number two. So you got to worship by faith. Number two, and then you got to feed your faith and starve your fear. You got to feed your faith and starve your fear. Verse 4, he says, one thing I ask the Lord, this one thing only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That word gaze, it means to meditate upon the Lord, to, to meditate upon the words of God. That David is saying, I'm going to focus on God. Remind me of Psalm 119 where he says that even though princes sit plotting against me, verse 23, your servant will meditate on your statutes. And I wondered if David, he has this kind of resounding theme in the Psalms about I'm, I'm meditating on the Lord. I'm, I'm fixing my gaze on God. That I wonder, I just, I just wonder, if he was battling distraction with fearful thoughts. Like if he was struggling, i got to fix myself. i gotta, I got to meditate. i got to fixate upon the Lord. You know, they say, uh, in my research this week, I, I found that there's, there's, they, they call our current age an age of distraction. That Andrew Sullivan in the New York Magazine said that, that what we experience so often in culture is distraction sickness. Because we have an oversaturation of media. And what's intriguing is there was a study done in 2018 by the, com- um, the Annals of Computers and Human Behavior. They actually found this correlation in college students through their own report between how much social media they consume. So as their social media consumption increased, their self-reported feelings of fear about their life increased. Then the American Psychological Association in 2022 they, they had this whole article about how we should relate to the news because they found that actually when we consume news media, it actually raises our level of fear. And part of that is because, again, news organizations are businesses, and you and I are more likely to click on stories that evoke fear than they evoke joy. So the research shows us. So, like, the APA is basically saying, like, you need to, have a healthy relationship with the news media. Again, not bashing social media or the news media, but if, if, if you're not careful, if the only time you feed your faith on, is on Sunday, but you feed on sources of media that are fear-inducing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and you wonder how you have a hard time having faith for God to move in your life, it's because whatever you feed will thrive, whatever you starve will die. Um, Two years ago, we had a pest control company come to our house. We had ants in our house. And uh, while he was there, he said to me, he said, 
two years ago, he said, my, my son had ants in his room. He said, I'm, I'm a pest control professional. I thought, how are ants in my house? So he was doing all of his work, you know. He put out, put out this gel that they, they eat and they die and put out repellent, all this stuff in his son's room. They kept coming back. So he said, okay, something's up. He started to dig through his son's room. In the bottom of his sock drawer, he found a, a licked, not fully eaten lollipop. And here's what he told me because he knew I, had three, I have three kids. He said... I can do all that I can to prevent the pests from coming in, but if you keep feeding them, they will keep coming. What are you feeding on? Sometimes it can be wondered why, why I have a hard time having faith for God to heal if you're not feeding your faith on the Word of God. Why, do I, why don't I have the faith to obey God in this area of my life when you're feeding media that's inducing fear in your life? The spirit, remember, the enemy uses fear to thwart you from walking in God's purpose. Feed, on, feed your faith. Feed your faith with the word of God. Get around some people. Get planted in the church. Go through next steps. Get on a serving team. Join a community group in June. Get around some people who can speak words of faith into you, who can pray for you, who can walk alongside of you. Because sometimes the reason we can struggle with faith because the people we have around us in our life are speaking words of fear. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you're not ready for marriage. You shouldn't propose yet, even though you've been dating for five years. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, this is not biblical. This is Jeremy's opinion. But by year one, you know, okay? You know. Just decide. Stay or leave, okay? That's for somebody right there, okay? <laughs> and, and if you've been dating him for longer than a year, you got to let him know. Hey, you staying or leaving, okay? But I got distracted now, see? Age of distraction. <laughs> But you got, you got to get people around you who can speak words of faith in you, who can pray for you. People filled with the Spirit of God who can hear God alongside with you for what God's calling you to. Taste and see the Lord is good. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, the Apostle Paul says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul's like, we're not playing games. <laughs> Paul's not like, identify the negative thoughts you have and replace them with good vibes. <laughs> Paul's like, you go to war. You take captive every thought. I'm not playing games. Paul says the battlefield is in your mind. Fear begins in your mind. Faith begins in your mind. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, you hear and you process first in your mind. It, before it gets to your heart, it begins in your mind. So he's saying we take captive every thought. So he's saying we, we, we go to war and we make it obedient to Christ. That we say, hey, fearful thoughts, you submit to King Jesus. Fear, bow, hear, now. We go to war. You know, when I, when I worked as a psychologist with children, I did a, there was a counseling technique, a therapeutic modality called narrative counseling or narrative therapy. It's used with adults as well. If you've been in any sort of um, talk therapy, this might have been actually used uh, with your with therapist. It's a common one. 
It uses elements of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very, very common and informs many counseling. But the essence of narrative counseling is this, is that you want to help the person you're counseling to externalize their issue. Because here's why. It's hard for you to get free of your dysfunction if you identify with it. So instead of saying, I'm anxious, I struggle with anxiety. So anxi- I am not anxiety. Anxiety's out here. Like, I am not depressed. I struggle with depression. Are you following me? So what you, the purpose, like if, if, if you were in an adult counseling session, you know, questions they would ask is, well, what thoughts do you have when fear comes in? So you can identify those thoughts and this is more cognitive behavioral therapy. Replace those thoughts with more truthful thoughts or helpful thoughts in order to limit, eliminate the fear. But with kids, if you were to ask a child, let's say a six-year-old, when you feel fearful, what's going through your mind? You'll probably hear, I don't know. But so what we do with kids, this was fun, when I would, when I would, when I would do counseling with like younger kids, is, is, is you would help them externalize it. And one of the ways to do that is you have to actually have them draw out a picture. Um, and one of the ways that we would frame it, whether it was fear or anger or sadness, and we would say the fear monster. Draw a picture of the fear monster. In fact, in my research, I found a picture that was on the, there it is. That's a worry monster. This was taken from a narrative counseling session that a kid drew. Because you'd have them draw this ugly monster. Then you'd say, when the fear monster shows up, what does he tell you? Try, hey, parents, a little side note. If you try this with your kids, it, it'll work. And they'll say, the fear monster tells me I'm going to get hurt. <gasps> oh. Well, have you ever been hurt before at school? No. So is the fear monster telling a truth or a lie? A lie. So what do you think the truth is? I'm safe. Or maybe the fear is over when mom leaves for work, she's not coming back. What's the fear monster tell you? My mom's not coming home. Well, does your mom come home when she leaves for work? Yeah. Is, that a, is, is the fear monster telling a truth or a lie? A lie. So what's the truth? Mom, come home. And what she do is it weakens, this I would say, it, it, I said, this is how you fight the fear monster. Is you tell them the truth. The mom's coming home. You tell them the truth. I'm safe at school. And what happens? It helps to decrease fear. What's it mean for us? We have a fear monster. (laughs) There's a spirit of fear that's coming against all of us. And what we do is we combat the fear, not with good vibes, but with the word of God that has the power to demolish Satan's strongholds over our life. Let me just say this too. Fear can be a stronghold in families. Fear is like a virus. It spreads. The fear can, like, all of a sudden, and, and fear can, can, again, fear's intent is to freeze you from walking forward in God's purpose for you. So what do we do? So let's say, for example, let me give you a few examples. Let's say your fear, the thought you have when you feel fear, is that things are going to get worse in my marriage. Or things are going to get worse at work. Here's some truth for you to demolish that stronghold. That all things are working together for my good. Romans 8, 28. Or maybe you have this fear. Maybe you grew up and your parents didn't have enough or they, maybe they didn't manage money well. 
So you have a fear that I'll not have enough. Here's the truth to demolish that stronghold. God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Or maybe the fear is I'm, I'm going to always be alone. Here's the truth. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Deuteronomy 31.6. Let me give you one more. This is my favorite one. Like whenever you feel like whatever you're walking through in life, whether it's a sickness, whether it's grief, whether it's depression, whether it's, it's your kids have struggles, whether your marriage is in tension, whether it's stress at work and you think this is going to take me out or this is just too much for me or this is going to overwhelm me. Here's the truth when you feel that is that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. Isaiah 54. So what do you do? You wield the truth of the word of God that has the power to demolish every stronghold in your life. You got to feed your faith and starve your fear. Here's number three, the final point. Is that then you have to overcome fear by trusting in God. Psalms 27, 11, David says, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. So David says, Lord, lead me into the way, not, 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 not of my enemies, not the rough path. Not the difficult path, but lead me in the straight path. Can I say for, for some areas of your life, for many of them, there is a straight path. Jesus said this, though when you hear my words and you put them into practice, you will be blessed. When you put the word of God into practice in your life, that's the straight path. That's the blessed path. So there's a straight path, there's a rough, there's a rough path. And, and, and David says, Lord, teach me your ways so I can walk in your straight path. He said in Psalms 23, also penned by David, verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David writes Psalms 23 from the perspective of a shepherd. And he knows that sheep, if you're a shepherd leading your sheep, you will have to lead your sheep through dark valleys. It's inevitable. Like, Sheep are going to have to walk through dark valleys. You don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. You have to go into a valley to get up. And can I say this? Let's not get it twisted. The Christian life is not mountaintop to mountaintop. The Christian life is full of valleys. It's full of hardship. Read the Apostle Paul. Read the book of James. Read the book of Peter. Suffering. Perseverance. These are, these are themes in the scriptures. <laughs> Paul says, I was shipwrecked, left for dead, beaten. Like, you're going to walk through valleys in life. Here's the good news of the gospel. Not that you will not walk through valleys. is that God will see you through the valley. It's not that you won't walk through hardships. That God will comfort you in the hardships. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The, the rod would protect from predators. And the staff would lead the, shep, the sheep into green grass. So he's saying it's your, it's your direction. It's your protection. And I think when it comes to walking by faith and not living in fear, that I, I think one of the idols we have in our Western culture, if I could speak freely, is certainty. We like to know that we know that we know. And as I said at the beginning of the message, if the only decisions and moves you make are ones that you are 100% certain of, I would question whether or not you are living by faith. 
And we are called to walk by faith, not by certainty. Walk by faith and not by clarity. I'm not saying go out and live reckless. I'm saying be led by the Spirit. And we will have to walk through dark valleys. We will have to walk through hardships. But God's word will direct us. So I was reminded this week, Christine and I were having a conversation, really in preparation for our Dream Team party this week. And um, we were talking about when we were first starting the church and how one of the first things you do is you look for a, a venue, a place to have church. Because it's hard to gather and worship if you have no place to gather. So I started looking for a venue almost immediately when we kind of started this process. And I remember there was, a, there was a school here in Bethesda that, have you ever had this happen to you before in life? Where like there was something that you felt like, like you in your mind and your heart, you were like, this is God. Like you were like without a shadow of a doubt, this is the Lord. So I thought back then like this school is Catalyst Church's meeting place. Like I, I even did for all the church people, I even did a little Jericho march. When I walked around that school praying, I was like in the name of Jesus. These walls come down, I'm like laying hands on the building. But like, hey, how you doing? Just nuts. <laughs> I think actually one day I probably trespassed because I was just believing in faith. So um, I probably should have done that, but take that off online. Um, but I was like, this is it. Like it was like perfect in my mind. I'm like, this is just a great, like the, this perfect space and a parking and like, God, this is you. And then I had a call with the person at the school. Uh, the, school, the school board office. And they not only told me no, they told me never. <laughs> I was like, what, are you, are you the Messiah? Like, you know the end from the beginning? Like, how is it never? I don't, you might not be in this position your whole life. I wanted to get all like that, but I had to, had to, stay, in my, had to stay in the spirit, not the flesh. Anybody else, you struggle sometimes, you get in the flesh a little bit. On a side note, be careful you don't try to do God's will in your flesh. So I had to, I had to calm down. So then I was like, okay, she won't get, they won't give me a high school. But how about, I'll get, they'll give me a middle school. Who wants to be in a middle school? Come on. No. I'm like, what? So then I found this performing arts venue. Um, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying the names of these places on purpose. Um, it was here in Bethesda. Beautiful, awesome. I was like, this would be great, like all these like shops and restaurants around. And they told me no. Then I found this nice movie theater, and they told me no. Now, I would love to say, like, after all of these no's, I was like, man, God, I'm still believing. I was initially like, God, did you say Bethesda or did you say Bahamas? Because <laughs> I'm feeling like it wasn't Bethesda. So what I did after my own personal struggle is I went back to my journal, and in April of 2017, Christina and I took a week away because we felt God was stirring something. And when we prayed, we both felt in our spirits that we were to plant a church for the Washington area starting in Bethesda. So I went back and I looked at that journal and I said, and what I had to do myself, I say, God, I know I'm called to walk by faith and not by sight. 
So I'm going to stand on your word that even though I don't see it yet, I'm still going to believe it. So God, help me. Help my unbelief. Help me in my fear to believe when I don't see it. And be careful. Listen, write this down. Be careful you do not allow your circumstances to speak louder than God's voice. Just because you've gotten shut door after shut door after shut door after rejection after rejection after rejection, don't you take that as a sign it's not God. It may very well be God because the forces of hell are coming against you. And the one thing the enemy wants you to do is freeze in fear and say, maybe this is not God. But we walk by faith. Not by sight, not by circumstances, not by my conditions, not by certainties, not by clarity, not what people say, not what experts may say. No, I walk by the word of God. Five years later, over 800 people have made a commitment to follow Jesus here in this church. I believe this is God. That God, listen, this isn't about Jeremy at all. This is about him and about what God wants to do in your life. Because some of you feel discouraged. Because another doctor said, no, you are unable to have kids. You're discouraged because you got rejected once again from a job you thought was yours. Or that you're feeling fearful because once again, another month, and you got, you, you got more out expenses coming in than you have income into your business. But do not take your circumstances as God speaking from heaven. Stand upon the word of God. Because he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. What do you think? This shepherd boy, David, being pursued by a king and his army, seeking to murder him. But David kept believing by faith. The same shepherd boy whose father overlooked him. The same shepherd boy who slayed a giant with a few stones. is the same shepherd boy God chose as Israel's king. And God chose that from his lineage would come the savior of the world. Our God is in the business of taking taking people, taking circumstances, taking conditions that seem impossible and making them possible. That is what our God does. That is what's called supernatural power. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain it. There's no degree that will fully explain all of God. Listen, you can overeducate yourself in the word and the things of the world all you want. But there will be an element of your faith that will always remain a mystery. Because he is God, you are not. And his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And we have the privilege and honor of simply saying, yes, God, and seeing him move miraculously and supernaturally through our life. And today I am believing in faith that we are breaking off the chains of fear that are holding us back from walking in the purposes of God, from walking into that relationship, into that business, into that job, in with children, because fear bow here now. Jesus, you can do anything. We're going to end with this. David says this, and the worship team can come. He says, 
verse 13 of Psalm 27, it doesn't sound like a man very fearful. He says, I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. I know you don't see it yet. I know you're not pregnant yet. I know you got rejected again. I know your marriage hasn't improved yet. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. That simply means trust God. We trust God. God, it doesn't make sense. Trust him. Can't fully fathom it. Trust him. And I believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord in your life. The people around you who love you, but they maybe even doubted you, they will see the goodness, not of you, of the Lord. Because they're going to see it and think, oh, he's not that good. She's not that good. And you'll say, yeah, exactly. But he is. I just waited on him. We fight fear with faith so we can walk in God's purpose. Can you pray with me, church, by your heads?